this word is so critical for you all. I, I reached out to uh, and I have different people, including our prayer board or our team there to pray over it. But I, I, I sent a text to Pastor Bill Winston, who I know you all know and, and, and who's been here. And I just, I said, I sense that I just need your agreement for this weekend, for you to be in agreement. And he texts right back and he's like, absolutely, it's going to be strong. And I only share that because I share for several reasons. One is I really want you to sense how critical this word is for you. So between what we're going to cover here in the next 30, 40 minutes, and then tonight, we're going to be walking through specific keys in the kingdom, you know, where Jesus said that, that, that uh, he'd been given the keys to the kingdom and those are for us to operate in. We're gonna be going specifically key by key by key and walking through those. And I know by the spirit of the Lord that you're going to, as we go through those, you're going to get revelation on which of those keys have I not quite been getting in the, in the door to unlock correctly. Which ones have I not even been using? Which ones did I not even know existed? And that as we walk through it, we're going to walk through those. And I just know that revelation is going to come as a result of that to help you open up those doors. How many of, how many of you have doors in front of you that just seem like they're not opening? And they're not opening. And you get to a point where you just get frustrated with the fact that that door's not opening. And you watch other people and that door opens and you're, you're trying to be happy for them. Right? But inside you're like, what the heck? Why isn't that door opening for me? So we're going to walk through those keys tonight to get very clear revelation of those keys. How to use those keys and then we're going to lay hands and impart. And I know that some significant impartation is going to take place. So as we open up this morning, to, this morning is going to be foundation for what tonight is going to be built on. You okay with that? So we're going to be talking about what I believe to be the most significant element for a person to get in revelation... And it's the most significant part for them that as you get that revelation, it is what equips you to operate successfully within the kingdom of God. This that we're going to be covering. Now, a little bit of uh, a background. I, I was, I'm one of seven boys. And everybody says, oh, God, help your mom. All right, so I had six brothers, no girls. And, and we grew up in the farm country in Colorado. And... Uh, I grew up in a church. It was Pentecostal. How many of you grew up Pentecostal? You know, holy rollers swinging from the chandeliers, and it's awesome, I'll tell you. We had, so we had, I, I'll tell you, by the time I was 10, I saw more stuff, all right? I'm just telling you, I'll just start laying it out sometimes, some of the stuff I saw, and people are like, you know, people that kind of grew up in more of the frozen chosen variety, you know? <laughs> not picking on it. It's just real, man. And they're like, oh my gosh. I mean, we saw, we saw our milk cow, Spooky. That was the name of the cow. Vet came out, said Spooky's going to die. There's no way Spooky's going to live. And there was three or four of us at the time. I might've been six years old. We went down, laid hands on Spooky and Spooky produced milk for a whole lot more many years, man. 
We brought our milk cows from the dead. We, brought, we, we prayed miracles over things. I mean, we saw all kinds of things. But in that Pentecostal flair that I grew up in, there was lacking in revelation of who we truly are in Christ. And, and poverty just was part and parcel of being a Christian, all right? They, they, it was just, you know what, God, God doesn't want any money for you. He might want to teach you by keeping you poor and, and, and all that type of stuff. So that's how I grew up. Well, it was years later as I started my first business in my 20s that the Lord began to walk me through some very significant change up in that revelation and of course, today uh, with our with our business, we advise on. We have assets that we are there. There's two divisions, so I'm not going to complicate it. But assets that we advise on that's over a billion dollars, and we're just starting. We're just getting started. And the change up in understanding who I was was paramount to me walking forward and walking into what, what Christ really had for me. Are you with me? Yes. If I don't clearly see myself, it will affect what I am able to walk in. And here's an example. This is a true story of some immigrants that were coming from Europe and as they were coming over, they would, they, would, they would come over by ship at that time. And this couple saved and they saved and they saved to get the necessary money to buy the ticket to get them over to the United States. Saved and sacrificed, saved and sacrificed. So they, uh, the day of departure comes, they're on the boat, very excited. They meet another couple and become friends with them and the, and the friends say, hey, why don't you join us for dinner tonight? There's a nice buffet, a nice dinner. So they told them, he said, you know what? No, thank you and excuse themselves because they hadn't planned enough money for that. They had saved some, gotten some crackers and just some real basic food items to make this trip. Next day, they meet up with those friends and hit it off with them, and they're talking, and they, it's time for lunch. Hey, why don't you join us for lunch? And once again, they make another excuse. Well, this happens day after day after day after day. And uh, finally, the last night, they were doing the last big buffet celebration before they came in to the U.S., and their friends told them, look, we are not taking no for an answer. You have dodged having meals with us this whole time. Well, at this point, they felt comfortable enough with this couple, and they said, you know, we sacrificed and sacrificed to save up to make this trip, and we have enough money just to get us started when we're there to get us jobs and all that. We didn't make, we didn't save enough for the meals along the way, so we've just been going back to our room, eating some crackers and some dried fruit and all of that, and their friends just got this look on their face of shock. And they said, didn't you know that the price of the ticket included all the meals? Do you see the connection? There are so many believers that are so grateful for the fact that the trip to heaven, we are going to be in heaven. And thank God for that. 
but are missing all the buffets between there and then. Do you see that? And it's your perception of who you are that affects whether or not you actually take hold of everything God has bought and paid for you for this journey. I want you to think of something for a moment. I want you to think about what would a large amount of money in your account be? Quickly think about it. If that was in my account, this would be a large amount. You got that dollar figure. Would you all do this for me? Open up your phones if that's how you keep notes or if you have a notebook that you keep notes. And I want you to write that amount down. Just write it in there. Now, think about if that same question was asked of Bill Gates. How does that number compare, do you think? Some of you are laughing. You get my point, though. Same human, right? Breathe the same oxygen, need food the same way. Total different, though, right? Why do you think that is? has to do with his experiences versus your experiences. Between today and tonight, we're going to walk through some things that I believe are really going to transform your ability to do what the scripture says, to enlarge the tent house, enlarge the stakes of your life, to stretch things out a little bit, to make sure that you're not on this voyage in the kingdom of God and eating crackers and dried fruit in your room. So gentlemen, he shared a, a vision that he had. He had a, a vision, it was so clear, and, and he went to heaven, the Lord took him to heaven. And this angel is guiding him through all the various areas of heaven. And he said he t- the, this angel took him into this room and he walks into this room and it is filled. And he says it's as far as he could see in all directions, filled with these abundant, incredible things. And he said that as he was going room to room, the angel would describe what the name of that room was and what it stood for. So when he went in there, he asked the angel, he said, what is this room? He said, this is the room of all the unclaimed inheritance of the children of God and names associated with it. I don't know about you, but I want my cupboard in that room to be empty. I want to walk out everything the Lord has for me. I want to accomplish what it is that he has for me. I want, I want that to be done so that when I stand before him, he can truly say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But the key of it starts with how I see myself. So as your notes are open, I want you to write down a few names. And here is what, the way I'm wanting you to write these names down. I want you, these are biblical names, men that we have read so much about, spent so much time in Sunday school learning about. And I want you, as I mention these names, to numerically order them of what you believe in a thousand years from now when we are in heaven, that these will be described as the important, in order of importance within God's kingdom. All right? Did I explain that okay? Yeah. So here's the list. 
Abraham, David, John the Baptist, and Daniel. Abraham, David, John the Baptist, and Daniel. Now, of course, Abraham, we know, is the father of faith. David was the king of Israel that was from his lineage. Jesus came. Daniel is one of the greatest prophets of all, delivered from the lion's den. We know all the stories of that. And then John the Baptist was the forerunner of Jesus, correct? He was the one who went before him. So, order of importance, one, two, three, and four. Who would be the most important? This isn't a trick, I don't want you to overthink it. You analysts, just do it, all right? <laughs> you got it done, yes or no? All right. So then, here's the curveball that I want to throw in there. You. Where would you put that? So we're a thousand years from now, and we're in heaven. We're talking about all the stories and everything that's happened in time and all of that type of thing. Where do you fit in that order? You number five? Are you like, I'm just glad to be on the list, Jack? I don't know. <laughs> I want you to do it. Put yourself on there. Where do you, where do you fit in in that number? And I want you to go to a... I want you to go to Luke chapter 7, verse 26. Jesus came, and when Jesus came, it said that he began to preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Tell the person next to you, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Never before in the Old Testament had anybody talked about the kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven. None of that had ever been mentioned. And then Jesus shows up on the scenes, and it says he began to preach the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of God. Well, one day as he's preaching and people are being healed and delivered, a messenger from John the Baptist comes and said, are you him? And he said, go back and tell John that the lame are healed, the blind can see, that deliverance is being preached. And then he began to discuss with the crowd around about John the Baptist. Everybody say John the Baptist. And it says, but what went you out to see Talking about John the Baptist. A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and much more than a prophet. This is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, which will prepare your way before you. For I say unto you, among those, get this, get ready for it. For I say unto you, among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than who? John the Baptist. So how many of you had John the Baptist at the top of that list? Hey, some Bible scholars, you are awesome. Great. Among those that are born of women, there is not a greater prophet than John the Baptist, but he that is least in the kingdom of God is greater than him. So where did you put yourself on that list? We're number one. I love it. We have to see who and how we were born to, so that we can clearly know and see our, how we can then walk out. 
We put these incredible men, Abraham, David, Daniel, we read of all of their great exploits and we put them on this pedestal and Jesus clearly said, hey, any of you that are in the kingdom of heaven, you're greater than even John the Baptist. Let that sink in, please, let that sink in. Because the fact is you will do and accomplish up to the point that you see yourself. You will do and you will accomplish up to the point to which you see yourself. Within Christianity, within Christianity, there is, I believe, an intentional, an intentional attack upon believers to keep them from believing and seeing clearly who they are in Christ. How many of you have heard it said and how many of you even said it yourself that we are sinners saved by grace? Raise your hand. Kenny, you're not gonna like this. It's not true. It's not true. I'm gonna say a couple of things here that are gonna kind of hopefully kick over what I call some holy cows. Sacred cows off center. As long as people stay believing that they are a sinner saved by grace, and please just, I know some of you, uh, you're you're gonna go, come on, this is just getting into semantics, but I, I wanna clearly lay out for you that it is not. As long as I still continue to see myself as a sinner, what am I going to do? I'm gonna sin. When I see myself as, uh, there was this camp, uh, it was a a summer camp for children that that was right next to where I grew up and it was of a certain denomination. And this church, they they had all of the songs they sang and the theology they taught and all of that. Well, the kids began to kind of just change up the song a little bit to, to, but it really, the songs they sang, but it denoted what was being taught there. And the song, would, it would go like, uh, we come before your throne of grace and we fall down upon our face. We know that we are just but worms. So step on me, God, and watch me squirm. And that's the part they added to it. But, but I want you to hear that, that theology develops and all of us, we have to break through that push that off, get rid of that so that I can operate as Christ has called me to operate. All right, so I'm going to, you know, you know what, let me read one more verse and then I'm going to ask a few of you from the crowd to be, uh, to help me with a live example. All right, so prepare for that. Revelations chapter one, verse six. Revelations one, verse six. It says, and he has made us to be kings and priests unto God. Everybody say kings and priests. Kings and priests. Kings and priests. Say it again. Kings and I want you to say, I am a king. I am a king. All right, now I want you to get this. If we were born into the kingdom of God and he has made us to be kings, how should we be operating in the kingdom of God? As what? As what? As what? As kings. So part of our 
this revelation that we're gonna walk through this morning is how do I operate as a king? Where am I positionally placed with God so that I can clearly walk out what he has for me? The kingdom of God, the word kingdom means this, where a king dominates. Where a king dominates. So a kingdom is a place where a king dominates. Not less than, not below, but dominates. And if I see myself in this position with the Lord, as I explained in this little kid's song, that I just fall before my face, and, I, uh, and get this, I'm not talking reverence, right? Because of course we revere the Lord. But it is so important that if I believe that I enter or am operating with God from this place where I am on my face, and Lord, just thank you for saving this sinner, I will never learn how to operate from a position in the king dumb, dominating. All right, I need, and, and young people help me out. Two on this side, and if you would just line up two on this side, and then I want two on this side. Okay, come on, or I'm gonna pull you out of the crowd. All right, thank you, thank you, right here. Two here, just come on up, and I want you right up here on the front. Alec, you, you told me you were, one, you were wondering if I was gonna pull you out, so I am, come on. You're up on top, you're God. All right? <laughs> he loves this as an introvert, so. All right. On this side, we're gonna let this side be the people that are not on their way to heaven, okay? You all are good on your way to heaven. So, you're at this meeting, and the song, Just As I Am, comes on. Just as I am, without one plea. Come on, you know it. Yeah. But that your was shed for me. Okay, great, awesome, because isn't that true? I'm coming to you, Lord, just as I am, and the only plea I have is that your blood was shed for me. I see it, I got it, and you come forward. And now you join this side, all right? Now here's God, all right? And I'm on his right-hand side, so I get to be Jesus, okay? And this right here is a positional kingdom change that happens at the new birth. Isn't it awesome? Phenomenal. Going to heaven good, not going to heaven bad. Awesome. That's where most, most Christians stop, right there. And the rest of their life, they're still singing, just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me. Awesome. I'm not, I'm not poking at that song. That song is incredible. But I'm going to tell you something. The new birth, get this, the new birth is the most powerful thing that can happen on planet Earth. 
It does not just take you from one row and move you into another row. Completely changes. Sit down and I'm going to have you call. I'm going to call you back up in a second, okay? So everybody sit back down and I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to walk through this set of verses very, very methodically. Let me get my phone there. I still haven't gotten used to tell people to open up your phones too. <laughs> Ephesians chapter one. Ephesians chapter one. We're gonna start in verse 14. Uh, I'm, uh, let's go a little bit farther. Verse 15. It says, and he's right, and he says, For this cause I also, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, which is among you, and the love which you show toward all saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. And this is what he prays, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation. Remember Pastor Marion talking about the power of revelation, all right? And that's where we're going to go, right here, the power of revelation, They may give unto you a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. This is what he's saying here. I am praying that you would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you would have the knowledge the same as what Jesus has. Jesus wants you, the Father wants you to have the same knowledge about you as he does. I'm going to say it again. The Father wants you to have the same knowledge about you that he does. Think about it. Do you see yourself the way God sees you? Because apparently, Paul writing here is very clear on the fact that he had to daily pray for the people at Ephesus so that they would receive a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, get this, go on, having the eyes of their understanding enlightened, that they may know what is the hope. Everybody say hope. Hope. Now hope is not, I hope I win the lottery. (laughs) Biblical hope is confident expectation. Say it, confident expectation. So he said this, he said that you're the eyes of your understanding, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you would know what is the confident expectation of his calling. Stop there for a little bit. We read through the scriptures about his calling. All right. If I call you on the phone, it's because I want to talk about something. If I call out to my son, Alec, come here, it's a purpose. I want something for you. I want something to take place. Paul is clear that our eyes need to be enlightened so that we can clearly see the confident expectation of what he called us for. And if our eyes are not enlightened, we are not going to see clearly what he has called us for. So is it a possibility that sitting here today, 
Our eyes have not clearly seen everything that he's called us to. There is a spiritual transformation that needs to happen with our eyes of our understanding so that from the moment of just as I am without one plea that I can go from there to fully understanding the confident expectation of why the Father called you. From the just as I am moment to the place of where he wants you to be, there is a transformation of the eyes of your understanding that has to take place so that you can see it clearly. And it goes on. That you may know what is the hope, confident expectation of his calling, and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in who? I'm going, to come, I'm going to come down for this one because we've got to sit here for a little bit. Does God have a whole lot? Yes, yes or no? Yes. All right. So for anything to be quantified as God's inheritance, wow. it's got to be pretty substantial. Wouldn't you agree? Yes. Michael and I, in the work that we, we do in, in uh, working with clients, we spend time, and part of those conversations are, what if they're going to get an inheritance or often our clients call and they just received an inheritance and never once have I had one of them call sniffling crying <laughs> I just I just inherited a million dollars and it was a bad thing inheritance is a yeah. nothing wrong with that right how Amazing does something have to be for the scriptures to quantify it as God's inheritance? Oh, come on, everybody. The eyes of your understanding to be enlightened so that you can see the confident expectation of your calling and what? The exceeding greatness. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in who? Uh, is there any saints in the building? I said, are there any saints in this building? Okay, so I want you to stop for a second because we can't just pass over that. Do you mean the God of the universe who happens to walk around with streets paved with gold, right? Who has, who says he holds the entire, everything, all the stars, everything in the palm of his hand. Do you mean to tell me that God, his inheritance is in me? Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I, I, I was at a time in my play, in, in place where something good happening to me or to, for me to see myself walking in abundance, oh no, that's, that's, for the rich, that's for the rich people. That's for that group. Could I ever see myself walking and operating in millions, tens of millions, Hundreds of millions, billions. Oh, <laughs> couldn't see that. I couldn't see it, and therefore what? 
couldn't operate in it. It started with me actually seeing that I could live being debt free. We're going to get into this night, tonight, guys, in the keys. Like some of the keys of how to open this type of stuff up. Because I saw myself as a sinner, but saved by grace. All right, can I get my folks back up here again, please? Just, just hop back up in line. God, I need you back on the throne, baby. <laughs> Where are the riches of the glory, this is at the end of verse 18. Where are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? Where are they? Okay, I need you to personalize it a bit. I need you to start saying, in me. All right? Where are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? In me. Okay, I think I got about, about a third of you. We're gonna do it again. Where are the riches of the glory of his inheritance? In me. They're in you. They're in you. And I know some of you are going, well, what does that mean? We're going to get there. But we have to start with the fact of you realizing how valuable you are. See, so many, so many of you, like we did the, the, the amount, what was a large amount in your checking account? And then we compared that with Bill Gates. Why, why is that a reality? That is a reality for you because that is the framework that has been built by the things you have been told from the moment you were born, the experiences you have experienced up to this very point. How many of you know that you had a very deliberate spiritual attack on your life of people telling you you will never amount to anything? Teachers, parents, whatever the case might be, calling you, you just filthy loser. Come on, anybody? Okay, and here we've got the fact that words create, right? You have been living in a world created by others. Your financial programming, what you believe about yourself, all started from the moment you were born and words began to be spoke over you the very first time you took that first step and everybody celebrated and was like, oh my gosh. And was, it was, you realized, oh wow, by doing things, I get, I get this applause. And then the first time you brought a grade that wasn't quite right. And maybe you had an, a, a parent that smacked you across the face and said you were a loser and you couldn't ever accomplish anything and you'll never amount to anything. Come on. Frame. Frame, frame. Here goes the foundation. Here goes the house. Then you get your first job. And maybe you were like me working at, I worked at Walmart for minimum wage. And I thought, man, because I used to work for $2 a day on the ranch. I thought I was, man, I thought I had made it when I started making three bucks and something an hour at Walmart. Some big bucks, man. I think about that now, but that was the world I grew up in. If I had enough money to go to Kmart when we came from the ranch and into town and get me some Whoppers and a pack of Juicy Fruit, I was living good. Come on, how many of you relate with that? That was where I was at. That was the experience. I grew up being told consistently we didn't have enough. We weren't going to make it. Everybody has to tighten up the belt. We're not, we don't have enough. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. We don't have enough. 
So that's what built my financial program. And tonight we're gonna, op- we're gonna look at one of the keys to go and open that sucker. But that was where I was at. What has framed your existence up to this point? What words have created where you live, how you live? What words are you, when you sit there and go, I can't do that. And Pastor Marion's up there, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Whoa, 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 I've got these opposing arguments that are taking place. And I have all the experiences and all the things that have built who I am, what I believe, what I think I can accomplish, and I live inside that house. And you are living in that house right now. And what you believe is a a large amount of money is just outside of your reach. It's outside of your reach because you believe that's a lot of money. And what is in your account is what you believe you can accomplish. Told you I'm gonna say some things that are gonna throw you off center. I know it. I know it. Gonna make you go, ooh. I'm gonna say something, and I want you to be honest with me. When I say this, I'm saying it intentionally, and I want you, I want you to be honest with me when I say it. That some of you are gonna think, mm, man, that sounds a little bit, it's a little on the edge of this whole Christian thing. Just, mm. It's just a little outside. That's a little, it sounds a little blasphemy-ish. So I'm going to say it. You ready? You are gods. Yeah. <laughs> Kick him out, pastor. Kick him out. Right now. Kick him out. But you guys are better taught. As a church, I know you've been taught this. But there is still, when you heard that, when you heard that, how many of you, there was just this little... Mm. I got one honest person come on really how many felt just a little bit like come on Bill you know what I was kind of okay with you up to this moment now you cross the line you went too far there's only one God right I love just letting folks sit there for just a little bit. I'm gonna bring it around here in a second. Because where is that quote from? Who actually said you are gods? Does anybody know? Who, somebody? Jesus did. Does that change it a little bit for you? It's not Bill saying it. Does help when he said it. But why does that throw you off? Why does that make us feel edgy? Why does that change this for us? It's because the eyes of our understanding have not been enlightened fully to the confident expectation of his calling and we don't truly understand the greatness of the inheritance that's in me. In me. Why? Because I've still, I am still living off of what I was told and the box that was created by everybody else but him. My life experiences, the talk that I heard, including your self-talk. What you say to yourself every single day. And one of the keys we're going to unlock. You all with me? I tell you what, I just, this is so, so, so important. 
Because here's what I want you to see. I want you to see that Jesus didn't split time in half, come down to this earth and die the way he died so that you can stay in this line. That's not what he paid for. That's not what he paid for. Let's keep going. Back to Ephesians 1. Stay with me. You all stay right where you're at. With the exceeding greatness of his power. Now we're going to start in verse 19. And what the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe. According that the working of the strength of his might. Which he brought about in Christ when he raised him from the dead. And made him to sit at his right hand. I'm Jesus. Made him to sit at his right hand in heavenly places. How many of you doubt at all that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father? Anybody? Anybody at all? Made him to sit at his right hand in heavenly places. Far above all principalities, all rule, all authority, and power, and dominion, and every name that is named. So where is everything at? Above or below Jesus? Say it again. Anybody disagree with the fact that Jesus is at the right hand of the Father and that everything is under his feet? Angels, demons, everything. Everybody agree? All right, wave at me if you agree. All right, I know I'm going through the thick of this, so stay with me, all right? And power and dominion and every name that is named. So it doesn't matter what name has ever been thought of, said, whatever, it is under his feet. Not only in this world, but in the one to come. And has put all things in subjection under his feet. Everybody say feet. feet. Say it again, feet. feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church. Who's the church? Us. Which is his body. Okay, stop and think about that. Now wait a second. If I'm sitting at the right hand and everything is under my feet, everything, and the church is his, where is everything? Angels, right? Let's just talk about Michael the archangel for a moment. Is that a name that is named? This is where I love, it pushes it here. Because I've had good, well-meaning people tell me, well, you can't, I mean, angels, you can't tell angels what to do. Because in Psalms, it said that who is man that you are mindful of him? Wasn't he created a little lower than the angels? True. But is that true now? Is that true now? Because positionally, all things are where? Under our feet. Are you part of the body of Christ? I just feel this hesitancy, and so I'm pushing a little bit. Are you part of the church? Are you part of the body? So where is everything that you ever will face? Where is it? Under our feet. So here's what happens. Go back over there if you would, please. Just as I am without one plea, but that your blood was shed for me and she comes forward and she accepts Christ and guess where she goes she's not down here folks because where is she at she's in Christ yes. and where is Christ positionally 
at the right hand of the Father. Okay, 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 so, so I want you to think about this. Is this, and I know once again, some of you are gonna say this is semantics, all right? When you pray, how many of us tend to bow our heads? Raise your hand, in honesty, all right? Because you had a good mom that taught you respect, right? Okay? And this, right? Like this. Okay. I'm going to help you out a little bit with that. When I pray, and I know, I'm... (laughs) I know some of you are going to think, man, this guy just gets into the semantics and into the weeds too much. But it's too critical because too much prayer is not getting answered because people don't understand where they're praying from. That's right. When I pray, when I pray, when I got this revelation, this is how I pray now. And I actually do this sometimes. I don't always do it. Hey, Father. This is what's going on, and this is what I need. That's right. Come on. Come on, everybody. Do you see that? Now, I'm going to tell you something. It does not change my love for Jesus, and it does not change my respect for him. In fact, this revelation has made me love him more because I really see how, how he saved me. He didn't just kind of save me. He didn't just take me out of the line that was going the wrong way. He took me from that line and he set me with him. With him. With him. him. Natalie and I, Natalie and I were asked by some, some friends of ours to go to dinner on a Friday night. And it'd been a long week. Look, you know, we, we, we got all this stuff we're managing. We got businesses. We got, we got all of this stuff going on, right? And I don't know about you, but sometimes on Friday, Fridays, I just look forward to the end of the week. Anybody with me? Right? And I look forward to just like, you know what, we're going to go out, to, we're going to go to eat, and I'm just so looking forward to it. And they had told us about this Mexican restaurant we'd never tried, and so we walk in on a Friday evening, and man, it was busy, 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 busy. And we're walking in, and the Holy Spirit, just as clear as could be said, you are going to cast a demon out of here tonight. <laughs> Say, what? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? <laughs> like, okay, my mind wasn't thinking about Jesus. My mind... <laughs> My mind wasn't thinking about anything. I was like, that was quite a week, and I am walking in with my lovely wife to have dinner with some friends, and I'm looking around, and it's busy, and so we're going to have to go to the bar and order some appetizers for a little bit, and I'm thinking, yeah, I'm hungry, and the Holy Spirit interrupts and says, you're going to cast a demon out here tonight. Well, (laughs) then instantly I start looking around some crazy wild person or something, you know. All of a sudden, I'm going like, what's going on here? So we sit down for dinner. We order appetizers and, you know, drinks and stuff like that. And the conversation just starts. And out of my mouth come these words to her. And so she's sitting across the table from me. Her husband's here and Natalie is here. 
And out of my mouth, these words come in the middle of us doing chit-chat. Were you ever molested as a child? Oh my gosh, not a good conversation starter, right? Out of my mouth. And I'm trying to like pull those back and there's this, ain't no pulling that back. She begins to cry. She begins to talk about how through her life, from the time she was a child and as a young person had been molested, had been raped. And that every time she looked at herself in the mirror, all she saw was this ugly, horrid person. Sex life was, was, was terrible with her husband. All she saw was ugly. Wow. And this thing just kept her pressed down. Christian woman, had been born again for many years, spirit-filled, just held down like that. And I knew there it was. So right there in that place, I said, all right, well, we're gonna take authority over that thing and get rid of it, and she went out. She was gone. And this thing starts talking through her, okay? So I'm gonna quickly clear this up because can Christians be possessed? No. Can they be oppressed in their soul? Yes, and that was the deal, okay? Uh, And right there, she, I mean, you talk about the ugliest, hateful look on and afterwards after the deliverance was done, she came forward and was like, yeah, man, all I felt was this horrendous hate for you and disgust. And then she said, I went black. I just went out. She couldn't see nothing. It was gone. Cast that demon out of her. She, the most life-changing experience, like she said her whole world has completely changed. She started blogging to women on how to be women of God and all of these things, her, the, her, her marriage, everything just lit up after that, all right? So here, why am I bringing that up? For two reasons. One is, is here was a person held down by the enemy that all she saw herself as was this ugly disgusting individual couldn't see herself for who she was and the second thing was here's a guy we knew him through business by the way they were a business relationship here we were in the middle of a business environment and the demon just got his butt kicked in a business what in a mexican restaurant in denver yes why because listen When you understand positionally where you're at, (laughs) it doesn't matter wherever I go, when I'm going somewhere, who's going? Who's the the Holy Spirit's in me, right? The inheritance of Almighty God is walking around, man. Come on. Get a little fired up. Sorry if I hurt your ears. The inheritance of Almighty God is walking around. So when I say I can do all things through who strengthens me, you all may be seated. Thank you. Let's give them a hand. Thank you, guys. If I see myself down here, if I see myself as having just as I am my way out of hell, it's a good start. But that's where I live my life. And I live my, I live my life down here. Saying, Father. Saying, Father. <laughs> sorry, guys. Father, help me out of this. 
help me to change this. Help me, I ask you to stop them from doing this. I'm down here asking him to do something down here. You got it? Go to Psalms 82. Psalms 82, and we're going to wrap this up. It's how important this is. Psalms 82. (laughs) Oh, I love these verses. This is the one I was referring to earlier about God's. It says, God stands in the congregation of the gods. Let's go, let's start at verse one. Sorry if you didn't have that. Verse one, God stands in the congregation of the gods. He judges among the what? The gods. God, who is standing in the midst of the gods, which by the way is who? Who is it? Okay, I want you to boldly say, that's me. That's me. Say it again, that's me he's talking about. That's me he's talking about. He is judging among who? Us. So he's in the congregation right here with us, right? He's right with you in in your everyday work. He's in there in your business. He's in there in your family. He's walking and talking with you. Now look at what the first thing that that he that judges among the gods says. How long will you judge unjustly and respect, oh come on, I am, God please help me to unpack this well, and respect the persons of the wicked. God, almighty God, the maker of heaven and earth, is hanging out in the congregation of who? You. Point yourself, me. As he's judging, okay, that means he's helping you to navigate right, to do things well. As he's doing this, what is the question that he asks the gods? What's the question that he asks? Right here. How long are you going to do what? Judge incorrectly and respect the persons of the wicked. Isn't that a fascinating question? That the God that's walking and hanging out with gods asks the gods, why are you judging unjustly and why are you respecting wickedness incorrectly? Come on. Let's let it sink in. Because guess what it says right here? Right after that, there's this interesting Hebrew word, sila. What does sila mean? Stop and think about it, ponder it. So let's do that for a second. Why is he asking me that question? If I'm in this line, the just as I am moved over into heaven line, and I keep asking him to stop things from happening here, and God, would you stop this, and would you do this, what does this say he's doing? (laughs) 
he's looking at me here saying, how long are you going to keep allowing that to happen? You get it? Why are we, and this is what we're going to talk about tonight in the keys. Uh, who, who around here has a really nice car? Come on, just admit it. It's okay. All right. What kind of car do you have? Oh, now we're talking. Do you have your keys with you? Oh, dang it. We brought my really nice truck. What is yours? What is yours? It's a Dodge Ram. It's a Dodge Ram. That's a nice one. You have your keys? All right. Who else has a nice car and you have the keys with you? It's got a trailer hooked up to it. It's got a trailer. Oh, I'm not going to drive it. I'm... What is it? Is the boat on it? <laughs> then I might have been. <laughs> All right, who else? Who else? Nice car. You all know who's got a nice car. All right, what is it? Huh? Yeah, what is it? Okay, you have your keys? Man, you all are trusting individuals. You raise your hand. What you have? Cadillac. Come on. All right. Okay. Now, I'm going to try to remember to get these back to the right people. <laughs> the Cadillac, though, I don't know. We might be. All right. So, keys are interesting things, right? If, so, so I've, got a, I've got a BMW, and my son wanted to take it uh, to prom. And he's like, Dad, can I take the BMW? If I say, yes, yeah, son. You could take the BMW. I'm going to throw him the keys, right? Which gives the ability for him to do what? If he doesn't have that key, is he going anywhere in my BMW? If, okay, this was the truck, all right? Well, I have a, I have a, 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 a 250, it's a Power Stroke Ford for more uh, things that doing a lot more than what the BMW does, right? right? And he's out of gas one time in his truck, and he needs to go out in a truck, and he's like, Dad, can I borrow the truck? And I'm going to throw him the keys to that truck, and it's going to enable him to do what? Right. You're getting my point here, right? If I don't have, if I keep this key, all right, and we just, all right, let's bow our heads in prayer, all right, we are dismissed, and I'm, I'm out the door. Are they able to go anywhere? They're going to be looking for who? Because what do I have? I've got the keys. And if I don't have the keys, can I go anywhere? No. So here's what happens. Just as I am, transformation takes place. Phenomenal. And he's up here, and what does he have? Oh, come on. What does he have? He's got the keys. And this is what's going on. You're down here. Just as I am and still don't have any plea except your blood was shed for me. And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. You got all kinds of pleas. Let me tell you the list of pleas you have. You've got my name now. You've got this key and that key and this key and that key and this key. And we're down there because one, it's kind of easy to sit down there. It's easy, but it's defeating. It's easy, but it's defeating. And meanwhile, he keeps saying this, looking over, 
saying, because could have I sat in front of that demon-possessed woman and, and got on my knees? Oh, thou most greatest fathereth of all of the universe, <laughs> casteth out this demon. Well, what's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? What's gonna happen? Nothing. Because I'm down there talking up here and he's looking over here and telling me how long are you gonna judge incorrectly? So we have a little problem here. You know how they call bad nature things that happen? Acts of God. Because God's responsible for everything, right? And meanwhile, God's going, how long are you going to allow things to continue to go incorrectly? Let's pull that back up, if you would, please, because I want us to wrap that up. Am I explaining this okay? I told you that I felt like this word, this word is so incorrect. the foundation for where everything else for tonight it's going to build off of. Because when I start talking to, about keys, I gotta know you're here, not there. Because Papa, which is the, it's interesting because the Lord had me change my, when I pray, I'm talking to Papa. I think you do something similar. You call him daddy, don't you? Something like that, because it was something I needed to get cleared up in. And when I'm talking to Papa, Papa's throwing me the keys right? I need you here, okay? How long are you going to judge unjustly? How long are you going to respect persons of the wicked? I'm going to tell you something. You have a too high of a respect for the things that come against you. Way too high. It looks way too big. You know that verse, oh, we have a song, oh, magnify the Lord. For he is worthy to be praised. What does it mean to magnify the Lord? Can you get God any bigger than he is? No, but if I'm looking at you like this, this is huge, right? And you're back here tiny, aren't you? When I get God up here and the problem back there, I'm magnifying the Lord. Do you see it? All perspective, everybody. All perspective. All right, so let's, let's wrap this up. I keep, I keep telling you I'm wrapping it up. I promise I am. Judge the poor and the fatherless. Do justice. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the gods, right? Talking to us. Do justice to the afflicted and destitute. Rescue the poor and the... God, we just pray over these poor people. God, would you take care of them? Would you feed them? Would you help them? Would you help them to get jobs? And what's he doing? How long you feed the poor, you create businesses and hire people so that they have money, you do it, you do it, you do it, and we're down there going, God, help our city. Come on, on, everybody. (laughs) You see what I'm talking about? It is, so, it is so easy to put all the responsibility on God. Well, it was the Lord's will. Oh, please. I'm not kidding. I hear that one more time. If God's will automatically happened, why would Jesus teach us to pray, your will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. And then who does he say is to exercise that will out in the earth? Jesus, thank you. To what level did he save us? He goes on and, the, and he goes on the rest of that and he says, you are God's, but yet you're gonna die as mere, here, go ahead, put it back up there, please. I'm sorry, put it back up. Knew not, neither do they understand. They walk to and fro in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are shaken. Everything is out of whack because the gods aren't doing what they're supposed to. I said you are gods and all of you are sons of the most high. Keep going. Nevertheless, you will die like men and fall like one of the princes. If we don't see who we are and begin to operate in it, this is the outcome. The earth around us stays messed up. People stay demonically oppressed. We had Sunday at, Sunday at our church, we had water baptism, and we had, uh, we, we go to a big church. We had one of the, the, the baptisms, uh, one of the baptisms that t- like tons of our people, our advisors that work in that office, they were baptizing their children, their, their extended family that had gotten saved. We had one of the gals that, got, uh, that was, came to work for us that was an atheist getting water baptized. We're all water baptized. We just have this whole celebration when one of our advisors had been with us a long time. Uh, after 12 years, I've known him for 12 years, he got saved the week before. We're now gonna water baptize him at our event in Mexico. All of this stuff, people being freed, set free because we're doing and expressing the way we're supposed to. Do you see that, yes or no? All right, now here's what I want you to do. I, I want you to stand with me, please. Can we do this, just to open our hands? I don't want you to bow your heads, and I want you to do that on purpose because of what I just showed you. Now, I'm not against people bowing their heads. Don't take that wrong. There's nothing wrong with a sign of respect. But I do, if your heart's not getting this right here, this is what I want you to do. I want you with your eyes closed, hands open, I want you to look to your left. Eyes closed. I want you to say, hi, Father. I've moved in to the position that you placed me in. I'm seated right next to you. So when I pray, I'm now praying from this position, not on my knees, but sitting with you, looking to my left, and talking to you boldly as you ask me to. Not from a position of sinning or a sinner saved by grace, but from a position of a son or daughter. I thank you for that. I receive sonship right now. I am your heir. I am your inheritance. I am who you say I am. Father, throw me the keys. Throw me the keys. Show me where I need to do things differently. To operate as the God you've called me to operate it. I am a God 
God, soft on that one. I am a God. I am yours. In Jesus' name. I want you to look at me. I want you to look at me. This is so, so, so important. The word's very clear about the fact that when we hear the word, we look into a mirror, right, in James. And it says we quickly go away from that and we forget what we look like. Today, you got a mirror put in front of you what you look like. So is the fact going to be that you're going to go back into life, all right, and you're going to forget. So what do you do? Keep putting the mirror back in front of you. We're gonna to learn tonight, we're gonna to get some of those keys tonight that are gonna help you with, uh, with all of that.